Hold up, hold up, before we start, before we start. I'm also holding a contest. If you take a picture of you subscribed to all of the classics podcast or YouTube channel, you can receive three Bodycology creams and three fragrance mists. Again, send that picture of you subscribed to the podcast or YouTube channel and share it with me on Instagram at True Travels of Hope or my Twitter, True Hope Sears, and I will message the winner. Other rules that apply, the package has to be sent within the U.S. She was a top model in her day and bridesmaid to actress and princess Grace Kelly. But Carolyn Scott ended up dying homeless. Now her daughter, Nina Giles, is bringing to light her mom's story and how she ended up in that situation due to not being diagnosed with mental health issues. Now, I first learned of Carolyn's story while visiting a museum in Steubenville during the Dean Martin Festival, and I must admit that I forgot her name, but did not forget her story. I tried to look up famous Ohioans, but nothing was ringing a bell. Fast forward to 2018, and I looked her up again. I looked model Grace Kelly, Ohio. And amazingly, I found a book was now written called The Bridesmaid's Daughter. So I reached out and told Nina on Facebook how I found her story through Steubenville. After reading the book and doing some research, I was fascinated to hear Nina's story. Nina talks about in her book The Bridesmaid's Daughter the early childhood of her mom in Steubenville to her mom becoming friends with Princess Kelly. But, of course, life gets complicated. After Nina was born, her mom has postpartum psychosis and it went untreated. Nina would miss a lot of school because of her mom. She would say that she was sick. And being a kid, you believe what your mom says. So she was held back and given tutors and sometimes no tutors at all. So I talked with Nina through FaceTime about her book and her mom's health. Hello. Hey. Hello. <laughs> nice to meet you. Looks okay. Yes. I'll just jump right into um, what is postpartum psychosis and how did you figure out that's probably what your mom had? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I was fortunate enough to meet with uh, Dr. Jeffrey Lieberman, who's the chair of psychiatry at Columbia. And I shared my mother's story with him. And, you know, after going over all of the records and everything that I knew that, you know, that was the conclusion that we came to. And then afterwards, there were so many things, so many pieces that fell into place, Um, you know, just given that as a possible diagnosis. Everything really went wrong after my birth. You can see it in pictures of my mother. She was happy and smiling, you know, when um, before I was born, and 
and then just six months later, it's you're looking at pictures of her, and it's you know like she was gone. Um, and because of the birth, <clears throat> excuse me, the type of birth that I had, cesarean and um, hysterectomy at the same time, there's really no way that she could have escaped some form of uh, you know postpartum disorder. Um, and so with postpartum psychosis, you know, the, the big difference is the break from reality. And just because also someone is experiencing psychosis doesn't mean that it's all the time. Um, I also think she was able to function for a while um, and sort of stay under the radar because she did have help mm -hmm. um, for the first five years. Now, what I found interesting is that your mom refused help when she was on the streets. Um, did she ever talk to you about why? I know that the postpartum psychosis was a big factor in that, but did she, like, you you talked to her um, while she was in the shelter, so did she ever mm -hmm. talk about um, why she was more comfortable living on the streets? Um... Well, it was hard to have a rational conversation with her at that point. Um, I think it's also important to clarify, you know, I think that she experienced this, you know, with the postpartum disorder, or, you know, after I was born. And then what happened was her mental health continued to deteriorate um, and decline. Mm -hmm. So by the time that she was living in the shelter, um, she was, you know, it had been years, just years of no treatment, no support. And she was pretty far gone, really, at that point. Um, I, at one point, met with or talked to um, a social worker that knew her during um, a few of her years at the shelter. And she felt that my mother, in some ways, was at peace. Um, she felt that it might have been easier for her to be, you know, sort of anonymous in a room with a hundred women versus, you know, having a roommate in one room, um, which is what ended up happening later on when she was in an adult nursing home. Mm -hmm. um, so, and she had established kind of a routine for herself. She loved New York City. She found a way to go back to where, you know, she was happiest and went to the library, listened to classical music on headphones and free ballet performances and walked the streets, you know, where she lived her dream years and years ago. I mean, it's, it's sad, but it sounds like she was enjoying life in, in her own way. Yeah, in, in some ways. Um, mm -hmm. It's very hard for a family member, right. you know, to accept that and, you know, to think, you know, she wasn't really safe. Right. Um, but she was never sleeping on the streets or anything like that. Right. You know, she was yeah. in a shelter that was for women 55 years and yeah. older, specifically with the diagnosis of mental illness. Um, the other thing is, you know, they they tried to get her housing. She would not participate with any mm -hmm. of the, um, you know, the process that you have to go through. But I think that's typical, too, for people with mental illness. Right. Um, right. Yeah, so, she, she needed somebody to intervene, and that's ooh. just not how it worked then. It's not even how it uh, necessarily works, works now. now. Okay, that's... That's unfortunate, but at the same time, you knew where she was, and yes. you were mm -hmm. taking care of her the best you could. So I, like, kudos to you. Um, 
And the reason I found out about your mom is I visited Steubenville and I, uh, I, you know this, I told you, like, I, met, I reached out and, um, so when you went to Steubenville for research, did you find that many people still knew who she was and, like, had stories to tell? Yes, well, the people, uh, yeah, because I met with relatives, um, and I met with several people at the Historical Society. So it was it was um, a very special weekend, just realizing, you know, that they, they thought of her as their queen and honored her all these years and had kept folders with all, of, you know, these articles and magazine covers. Um, it was a treasure trove, really, for my co-author and I, you know, when we were writing the book, we just, we found out so much oh from that visit. That's really cool that they kept all these records, because uh, that is how I found out about Carolyn. Uh-huh. Is I was like, I was visiting for the Dean Martin Festival, and uh, her story stuck with me. Um, so did your mom, I know that she didn't have maybe the nicest childhood, but did she have warm memories from Ohio? Well, yes, I, I, um, I interviewed her very close cousins and they told me wonderful memories that they had of, you know, Christmas and what their sort of Christmas morning would have been like and how, um, you know, it was a big family because my grandmother had nine siblings and all of the cousins would get together. They went to church together. They had family gatherings. They didn't have a lot of money, but you know, as very young children, they probably were not so aware of that. They were just aware of the, you know, having this big family. Um, and it was important for her cousins to share that with me, that she did have, you know, some happiness in childhood. She was very close to this one particular cousin, Patricia, to her um, parents. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that um, maintained, you know, sort of even after she left New York, she would call them. That's really cool that she kept in touch because mm-hmm. I wouldn't much have, harder back then. Right, I wouldn't have guessed <laughs> yeah. that she kept in touch that much, but that's really cool. Um, so, what kind of stories did your mom share with you about either her past, um, whether it be Ohio or with Princess Grace? Um. She shared some of her childhood, but not not a lot. It, it's difficult for me to remember, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish now, you know, thinking back, that I had asked her more, because I think that the past was pretty clear for her, so anything I asked her about, she probably would have told me. Um, she did tell me, you know, stories of when she was modeling, and she was mm-hmm. so proud that she worked with um, Richard Avedon and, and Scabulo. She would mention you know, mention them, um, going to the ballet with Grace and theater and, um, yeah, I mean, they, they had this wonderful, glamorous life. Um, she was, you know, she would tell me things about, you know, I did a photo shoot in, in Paris and, you know, that kind, you know, 
the highlights right, things that exactly, he was very proud of. Right, exactly, because everybody wants to share the highlights. That's what social media is for now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you said that your mom and, uh, you said Grace Kelly had an affair with your father. Did that cause more of a rift between your parents, or was that rift kind of already there at that time, or do you know? I don't really know all the details. I only know sort of what my mother told me. Um, so it's really, it's difficult for me to elaborate that on that if I don't, you know, yeah. have all the facts. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a good thing. <laughs> but again, I, you know, I don't. I can't tell you, you know, exactly right. when it happened or anything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just is what it is. You got to take it for what it's worth. What I do know, what's important to me is I know that whatever happened, I know that my mother, um, you know, loved Grace to her death, you know, and, to, and um, mm -hmm. forgave her for whatever happened. There was no lingering resentment I mean you know when we talked she always talked about Grace with a lot of love and I think mm -hmm. she really missed that friendship because that friendship for her you know at that time in her life when she was the happiest she was her closest friend mm -hmm. so before Grace died you said that she was planning on meeting your mom is is that correct well she was planning on moving to you know getting an apartment in new york city okay. and yeah. my mother would have you know so they would have gotten together and do you think that would have like helped think, your mom get help would grace have been well, able to convince her since she they were such close friends you know, it's very hard to say because when somebody's that ill, they're not, you couldn't really have a completely rational conversation with her. Um, I think it would have been good for her to have someone who knew her way back when and was close to her. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really have no idea what would have happened. Well, I know that all the my older sister had reached out to Grace and she said that she would, you know, try to do what she could do and if she'd been in New York City, I'm sure they would have somehow seen each other. Um, yeah. But we'll never know. <laughs> right. I, I hate to keep playing, like, the what-if game, but knowing what you know now, <laughs> what would you do to help your mom, even if you couldn't have gotten her help? Um, would you... Would there be things that you would have changed? Well... Yes, I mean, there, there are a lot of things I wish I had done differently. But it's, it's also very easy to say that now. My kids are grown. Right. You know? At I the mean, time that she was in the shelter, I had three young children, right. and one was having seizures, sometimes 11 oh, a day. So I yes. had, you know, a very, you know, complicated yes. life myself. Um, when I did get involved um, with my mother's care and she developed this, you know, heart condition, that is when she was moved into, a, a, you know, an adult home on Long Island. Right. Um, maybe if I had gotten involved sooner in that, you know, but yeah. you ultimately it really was the yeah. health condition that right. got her out. I mean, my mother needed, um, she needed care after I was born, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
um, mental health care back then that she just right. didn't didn't get. And needed to catch it early, and otherwise it would have. Yeah. It was all just downhill. Okay. You did say in your book that even in the hospital, your mom missed the New York streets. What connection did she have with New York that had her keep coming, drew her in? Well, those, those were the happiest years of her life, I have no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the small town girl who came to New York and made it big and was enormously successful. And she loved the culture, ballet. Um, she took ballet lessons, you know, when she arrived mm-hmm. there. And I, I mean, it must have been an, an amazing, amazing experience. And I don't think she ever lost sight of, of the wonder of what she was going through, that she was this small town girl like, mm-hmm. experiencing all of these wonderful new things. Um, you know, I think her home life as a teenager may not have been the happiest with her stepfather. And I think escaping, you know, and going to New York and being able to be on her own and independent financially, you know, that was it. Everything that I know about her years in New York city as a model, and even as a young married woman, you know, there was, those were very happy times. That's really, I mean, that's kind of like the American dream right there going from a small town to like, being able to be financially independent on your own and successful, mm-hmm. so yeah, exactly, <laughs> the American dream, the American yeah. dream. <laughs> and uh, and for her, you know, she never wanted to go back to Steubenville. It wasn't an option for her. Mm-hmm. And I don't really believe that she was ever fully happy on Long Island. She felt that the house that my father built and you know was cold and wasn't homey and. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't make a lot of friends out there and sort of embrace the new life. Mm-hmm. So do you think recent awareness for mental health is getting more people uh, with mental health conditions to get help? Or is it still just as taboo as ever um, or somewhere in between? Probably somewhere in between. I mean, we certainly have come a long way since, mm-hmm. you know, my, my mother's days when I was born. Um, I just find it so encouraging that, you know, just like I'm doing sharing my story, you know, I've been inspired by others who've shared their stories, and hopefully I inspire more mm-hmm. people to do the same. But it's everywhere, you know, just the idea of um, sharing your story. It's I can say, you know, that from my experience in doing this, the, you know, I've been met with nothing but kindness, compassion everywhere I turn. So these are, you know, things that I never wanted to talk about to anybody all these years. And, right. you know, it's only made me happier and more comfortable. Um, I think, you know, people are so often ashamed, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of support out there. And another thing is just in telling my story, I found... Um, I would talk to people I've known for years, 35 years, and didn't know they had a brother that was schizophrenic or, you know, or something like that. Everybody has a story. It's one in four, you know, with mental illness. So it's so much more common than we realize. It really is important, you know, to to talk talk about about it. it. So your mom kept you out of school a lot. Um, What was your education experience 
after you left home? Okay, after I left home, I moved into New York City with my sister. I was 22. I was 14 at the time. And I went to a, a private school, road school, on 54th Street in Manhattan. And it was wonderful. I was on the honor roll. I had two good years there um, where I really put in the effort. I was just, you know, um, a sponge, you know, wanting to soak up every bit of education that I could get. Did you find it difficult to catch up? Like, that's amazing that you were able to be on the honor roll after, like, so long of being, like, kind of held back and kept at home, homeschooling, and that kind of thing. Like, um, like, did, did you find it difficult to catch up? Well... You know, I, it's it's really hard to say. I when I think about it, I don't understand how I was able to do that. <laughs> I know there were certain things that were hard at that point. You know, it was hard for me, um, and it got harder as I went along to write a report. There were there were gaps in my education, but learning something completely new, like you know, studying Spanish, you know, starting fresh with everybody else, no problem. You know, algebra was a, a whole new thing. Starting fresh, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, very good with tests and that that kind of thing. Or um, just organizing thoughts was hard. That's something you learn, mm-hmm. you know, in in school. Um, so there there are, there are many gaps still. <laughs> yeah. So besides being an author, what else? do you do for for work because obviously you've turned out fine so what did what was your career path afterwards mm-hmm. well I've had a 20-year career in advertising sales marketing um, and, which I got into after um, after my youngest I had three children after my youngest turned five you know then I started to develop my own career and you know that I'm very grateful to have had that um that was wonderful uh about two years ago I got involved um in my husband's company he runs his own public relations company so I'm COO of the company and I handle um you know administrative types of things that um it's a very flexible position for me right now but I really enjoy being involved in his company that's really cool so have you found that the advertising helps with advertising for your book? Well, sure. I'm, I guess because, I mean, I, I spend so much time in that world. I mean, today a lot of it is about social media, just, you know, being out there and networking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just so naturally interested in mental health advocacy that, you know, I've been to three conferences this summer, mm-hmm. um, Mental Health America, NAMI, and then the Postpartum Support International Conference. And it's been amazing. I've met so many wonderful people. And it, it just makes you feel good to know that there are so many people out there on so many different levels trying to help the cause of mental health advocacy. And, and it's great. There's a lot being done. That's yeah. incredibly good to know. Did the writing process bring you any closure or make you feel closer to your mom? 
Oh, I'm so much closer. I, I just, she was this big mystery before. I just didn't understand. I didn't understand her. And now I feel like I really understand what happened in her life. And I have so much appreciation for the fact that she never gave up with all of the stress that she had and what she was going through and the challenges that she faced. Um, you know, she still get, did get up every day and take care of me in her, in her own way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just love that I've been able to um, research her entire career that is just, has become such a passion. Um, you know, the entire eight-year career, over 450 images and covers, and, you know, I have them framed around the house. It's just that's a wonderful thing. And, you know, if that's one of the things I wish I could change if I could go back and, mm-hmm. you know, talk to her about that. Um, if I'd been able to right. um, research it and bring her the magazines and show her, I wish that she just, you know, could know how proud I am of her. I think that, yes, that would have been good for any mom to see, you know, every mom wants to know that their kids are proud of them. Um, And that's something I never felt about my mother. I never felt proud of her. It just wasn't part of the equation. And now it is. And and that's a beautiful thing, really. I'm sure she would definitely be beaming with pride. Uh, So... Are you going to write any more books? Well, I'm, I have thought about um, writing about my daughter's, you know, story, what it's like to raise a child with <clears throat> who's developmentally disabled and has mental health issues. Um, that's that's a thought down the road. Um, my sister Robin, who died in seven, 1979, was a uh, singer-songwriter mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just in an amazing era, you know, the early 70s in South Philly that I just think would be such a great story to dig into. I think your sister's story would be, make Mm -hmm. such a good book. Yes. That, your sister, um, was so interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that would be a good book option. Um, and I mean, the book isn't about your sister, but she is definitely a key central part in your story and also... Mm -hmm. Your mom seems to really laugh around her, and so that was yes interesting exactly. to learn about her. Um, so, going back to the Steubenville connection, um, what were your impressions of Steubenville when you went there over the? Did you just go for like a weekend or? Was it like a yeah, week? it was it was a short trip. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually, my co-author and I had planned we planned the trip all around going to the Jefferson Historical Association, and then found out that two of the cousins, eighty five and ninety two, were going to be just a four and a half hour drive away. <laughs> so we flew to Steubenville. And then um, the next day got up and drove in the snow all the way um, Whoa, to Lebanon, the... Ohio. Oh, in the snow yes. to Lebanon, Ohio. I've never even heard of Lebanon, Ohio. Yeah, and <laughs> and it was just wonderful. We spent, um, we spent, you know, most of the day with them and just 
what they were able to share was truly amazing. Then we went back and, you know, we, we really didn't have much time to sort of explore. I, I'm going to go back because I've been, you know, with this extended family now that I've mm-hmm. gotten to know, they've told me a lot of interesting things about the family history. So I do want to go back. Um, I did go to the street where she grew up. And, you know, that was interesting because I did visit there as a young child. Yeah. yeah. So out of my own curiosity about Steubenville and um, your mom, there's only two people I know from Steubenville that are famous, your mom and Dean Martin. Did your mom enjoy his music because of that connection? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we listen to a lot of Dean Martin at home. Makes me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like the youngest person there that was not dragged by their parents. <laughs> the era, yeah. Oh, I love that era. Oh, yes. me too. Uh, obviously, I went to yeah, the Dean, Dean Martin Dean Festival. <laughs> um, uh, how we have a common connection. How did Charlie Green end up helping you? Because without him, I would not know about Carolyn. Um... I, I had heard somewhere along the line, you know, somewhere along the way that um, that Steubenville did have some, um, you know, photos and things of my mother and that they, they did sort of honor her in some way. So I called him to find out and then was so pleasantly surprised because I just had no idea, really. And um, they had even honored her at different times over the years. And, you know, it's just so sad that I didn't know about it because I would definitely have been there for it. Um, and Charlie was just amazing. He had so much information. Um, it was incredible, really, things that I really would never have known about otherwise. You know, there's just no way. I would never have found out. He's a very passionate fellow. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, her yearbook they had. Um the letter from Ed Koch, you know, just when um, Doug Applegate and Bill Krosky tried to bring their queen back, you know, to Steubenville. Amazing things, really. That is incredibly cool. Oh, Um, and he also sent me, um, not too long ago, um, he sent me actual footage of the Susquecentennial parade with my mother which is just it's incredible I mean they're close-up shots oh my god had it converted for me and sent it to me yeah amazing that is cool is there anyone that you want to give a shout out to before we sign off and say our thank yous (laughs) well I mean just in general I am so grateful to all of the people I've been hearing from um really just a day doesn't go by that I don't get a message from somebody you know, who's read the book and the stories touched them in, in some way. And honestly, it really is what keeps me going because it's, it's hard, you know, just going back and thinking about the sadness of her life. But, you know, sometimes I think, what am I doing? <laughs> right. But when I realize that it really, you know, it has touched someone's, someone else's life or inspired them in, in some way, you know, that makes it all worthwhile. And I just feel like I've got to keep following my heart and I'm on the right path. 
my gosh. I love it. I love that it touches people. It definitely, like, it touched me, it and I'm sure it's touched many of other people. So I hope you continue writing, oh, whether it's about your sister or your kids. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Um, I don't even know how to end this because I'm just <laughs> overwhelmed. Oh, Thanks. Well, I'm, I'm so grateful that you reached out. I was so surprised that you responded. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody who really, who's, you know, genuinely taken an interest in the story. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's what it's all about. I don't know if you know this, but you're the reason why I'm starting the podcast because... Really? Yes, because when you messaged me, like, I had just, like, kind of said, I've been thinking about, like, doing, like, classic um, Hollywood because I love that era. Yes. And you were like, let's do it. And I was like... (laughs) I guess I have a podcast now, and it's been so fulfilling. I've interviewed um, you. I've interviewed a college professor that is a fan of Jack Benny. I've interviewed someone that does a podcast that I've been a longtime listener of for Johnny Carson. So I'm just so glad. It's kind of amazing how just, like, one visit to, in 2017, to a museum has... Isn't that great? Yes, it's been so fulfilling. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm and I'm grateful to the museum that they honor her. You know that way. That's it was so cool to hear that they mentioned her. Right. And all that. Yeah. Right. It was. I mean, I was just there for the Dean Martin Festival, and like everybody was kind of shuffling by. But like uh, Charlie was so great because he saw that I was like genuinely like. Uh, interested and I was so I was so young he was like you're so young (laughs) and so he just started showing me like everything about Steubenville and they even took me he's like I don't do this anymore but took me to the basement and oh really yes wow yeah and there was like a train there And, and so he like somebody in Steubenville had designed this train that just runs all around the basement and so showed me that that was incredibly cool so if anybody's listening from Steubenville asked to go to the basement <laughs> interesting well I may end up back there one day I'm gonna make sure he takes me to the basement. <laughs> all right thank you so much Nina thank you Hope. many thanks to Nina Giles and Charlie Green for a year ago telling me about Carolyn I urge you to read The Bridesmaid's Daughter Everyone I've told about the story has been really interested. It's a really interesting story. So I recommend it for a book club and your next read. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you later. This has been a Hope Sears presentation, darling.